WFAE's David Borax has the story. Tariq Bakari and Larkin Eggleston call their podcast R&D in the QC. Eggleston says they hope to reach people who may not pay attention to the council. Eggleston is 35 and a Democrat. Bakari is a 37-year-old Republican. Despite their political differences, they bonded on the campaign trail in part over their beards, says Bakari. The beards themselves are what truly united us in the beginning. They hope to be an example of how to debate productively across the political divide. R&D in the QC, episode 80. Quick recap of tonight's business meeting and a robust discussion on both sides of the sales tax. That's right, folks. It's hard to believe we've made it to episode 80. Larkin, we're nearing in on the 50,000 listens mark my friend we are uh we're big time uh never thought we'd make it this far uh but how are you doing i'm good i'm trying to look up and see if there is you know for like a fifth anniversary or a tenth anniversary there's like a certain gift Mm -hmm. diamonds lead diamonds are the gift for an 80th wedding anniversary Hmm. so i don't know if that holds for podcasts also it would be hard to be married for 80 years. It would just physically. Right. It'd be hard to not be dead by the time you're 80 years from your wedding. That's true. Uh, but it's not hard to not be dead on your 80th podcast. You know what I'm down for on the 80th podcast? Being gonna... real positive, not complaining oh, yeah. about anything. We would like to apologize. We have gotten some feedback that we've lately been Debbie Downers. Well, but it's because there's a lot to be down about. Um, but we're not going to talk any kind of crap. On any of the people for that deserve it. at least one episode. <laughs> That's it. I'm, it's and for fresh those on of you who right like now. all of our um, negativity, we'll probably be back in two weeks for episode 81. Please don't eat potato chips into the microphone tonight. Is it hearable? It's it's hearable. <laughs> also, probably not a word, but... Uh, I feel like that's going to stop li- complaining. This is what people are that's talking gonna about. That's going to lose us more listeners they than our negativity. They don't want to hear you complain. They don't want to hear you eating Lay's baked potato chips either. But I'm eating them with a smile while you're complaining. Well, like be be productive. Can I eat one more? Yeah, if you mute your mic, see, you we just lost half our listeners with that chip. Look, it's positive time. Let's be positive right now. What All do right. you want to talk about? So, uh, in segment two pre-recorded earlier this afternoon we've got the show former county commissioner matthew ridenauer uh, who has led the vote no on the sales tax initiative and we have got councilman braxton winston um, who while not officially part of the vote yes campaign which will explain how uh, he came to be our guest he is a proponent of it and he will make the case for it so we will have that debate for the second half of the show um we'll take up most of the show today because we didn't have too much on the agenda tonight uh we still managed to make it take a while but we got in our dinner briefing at five today we had three topics we covered and i said to the manager if we could have this much good news every week that would be preferable we had three things that we covered all good news uh the first of which was the new clt plus app so anybody listening to this podcast we know they have apps on their phone uh, they also know that podcasts don't air at a certain time, as Ooh. one of our colleagues thinks. Hey, that's complaining. Stop doing that. It's not complaining. That's uh, friendly ribbing. It was hilarious. I was in the committee meeting, and um, Councilman James Smudgy Mitchell made made reference here. Right, staff was telling him about a new city podcast they were rolling out, and I saw it. It was like one of those slow motion train wrecks where he was like, 
what time does that podcast come on? <laughs> All times and any times. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we know that our works. listeners know how apps work. And so I would encourage everybody to download the CLT Plus. That is not spelled out as the plus sign. The plus sign. CLT plus sign app. Use it. Especially like, your two primary uses. There's a lot or of stuff in there. If you live in, in District there. Six or District One, well, yeah. There's not a lot. Like, there's a lot of options in there, of which you're not going to use like the vast majority of them. Primarily, you'll use the bulk trash pickup one, uh, which obviously that'll be cool. We'll use that too. Streetlight repair. Streetlight repair. I get a lot of those. There's Braxton out out the window. Would you use the streetlight repair button on the app? Pothole repair. The bulk trash pickup is what Mr. Winston says he would uh, use. I agree. Um, I think there's actually going to be potholes. I think it's potholes. Once people figure, once people are, a lot of them are using this app, I think we're going to get a lot of requests too. You can go in here and request new traffic signals. Uh, You can request new sidewalks. Obviously, it doesn't mean you're necessarily going to get it, but at least initiate a study from staff or staff will look into it and get back to you. Uh, but this is a great way. It's it's even easier than using the three one one feature on the city website or calling three one one. You don't have to talk to a human. Both of those How are still nice options that? if you are used to the way you've always done it. But this CLT Plus app, a lot quicker, um, a lot easier, and will hopefully allow people to get some of their issues addressed more quickly and more directly. So I Welcome encourage people to, to look. Welcome to the twenty first century. You know, the one thing it didn't have, I made this comment tonight that I think people will really want, especially if this thing gets some traction, is a little bit of a ticket tracking system where you know like when your thing's been routed, when it's been addressed. Like um, when your prescription's ready for pickup and you get yeah. the text that says, it's now ready. It can say your pothole's been filled. Like exactly. I mean, don't you want to know? Yeah. Yeah. But you know, it's easier for it to drop into the big dark hole of government to possibly one day come out or possibly not. But guess what? I will say, Positive I news. actually use 311 a decent amount. Um when I don't doubt that. I've known you now for over two years, and I will tell you, I bet you call 311 like three times a I day. I don't. I use the online tool, which this will be easier now. Literally, when I'm out walking my dog and I see something, I'll like go on to the 311 website, and I'll plug it in and report it. Hey, there's Locke and Eggleston again. Uh, that, that, that damn dog next door keeps barking. That's your impression of me? Yes. Uh, <laughs> and uh, it sounded a little like, what was the uh, sheriff? Or the sheriff's deputy on uh, on uh, the old Andy Griffith show. Oh, Barney? Barney. Barney Five. So, uh, by the way, this reminds me. Yes, I know pop culture if it's from 50 years ago. Your dad is on an email distribution that I have. He does entrepreneurship stuff. Do you know, this is, the apple does not fall <laughs> far from the tree, when, my friend. When he told me that he sent you this email, I knew that you were going to make this comment. Oh, man. I'll tell you, right when I read it, my wife sitting next to me and I lean over, I'm like, dude, check this out and tell me these two dudes are not related. He's like, it would be helpful when sending these in replying all to the others you delete it was a very i mean it was actually a good idea and i'm gonna do it going forward but it just really made me realize we're both ocd who yeah who you are we're both nitpicky people yeah, and yeah. we both see your faults very clearly yes so he was we like, share that when i replied back so good he was like wow you're so good at taking constructive feedback and you're like, unlike mm. one of your colleagues <laughs> he probably did say that um uh. our second update was one that i had prompted sometime last year that and i'm sure you get the same thing when we're especially district reps but i'm sure all council members get tons of questions about 
you know, a stormwater project, a, a new streetlight, a new whatever. I mean, all these infrastructure projects we have all over the city, hundreds at any given time that are in the pipeline. And people say, when's that going to be done? Or when's that going to start? Or whatever. Um, and so I said, there's got to be some way we can create oh my a God. Uh, dashboard. Somebody that just scared me pretty bad right there. I, I noticed that it did. Um, someone just oh, shook Tark's door. And it door. was James Smudgy Mitchell. The aforementioned. Oh, dude, it's, it, it's dark, all, it's dark know, in it's our dark. hallway. They, they turned the lights off out there. You just gave us a heart attack, dude. You um, just gave Tark a heart attack. So Smudgy just tried to scare us, and it worked on one of us. Um, it, I the, mean, I'm in cold sweats right now. I'm not going to lie. That was spooky, dude. It's Halloween time. The ghosts of councils past, um, Whew, which right. do still haunt these hallways from time to time. True. So I said, there's got to be a way we can have some sort of a, a the term they're used tonight was a dashboard, but um, a tool that council can use. And ultimately, we're going to make sure that the public can use it. So we kind of saw a, a beta version of it tonight. Is it ready for us yet? or It will be in at... a month or two. Okay. And then it'll roll out to the public sometime next year. But basically, you'll be able to jump on there, type in your address or type in the address of a project, see all the stuff that's going on around you. There's all sorts of ways you can You can filter, filter it by your district, yeah. by project types. Is it walk, you, walkable, you click on it, ped projects, biking projects? Click on it. It gives you the cost. Sidewalk. It gives you the start date, the finish date, where it is in construction. If it's in construction, it uh, gives you an actual picture of the project. Um, or something representative of the project aside from just like wanting to know and update around where you live which i think would be really helpful um there's a lot of use cases one is is think about like if you're moving into a new part of town and you want to see what planned uh infrastructure projects or investments are, are coming up one you can transparently go see that there but even beyond that um, yeah, real estate agents could probably get a huge, lot of use out of it absolutely um but I, I mean, I think the other thing is historically there to your point, there hasn't been a lot of transparency around what this list looks like at any given time. Or it's just been too hard to access. Like the information's out there somewhere, yeah. but to track it down is really difficult. But also these things have a tendency of disappearing from lists or when people are juggling money around, some things get lost or here and there. This way, the stuff's all out there. And if something changes and it's not there anymore, well, you know, someone's going to have to be held accountable for that. But I think both of these things that we talked about are moving towards putting more information out there in an easy to digest way for citizens that sometimes might eliminate the need for them to go through two or three layers of government to find an answer. If we get the word out about these things, then they can, and the CLT plus app we mentioned is available. You can download it right now. This dashboard thing will be a couple more months to kind of, to kind of um, tweak it and, and get it more, ready for showtime but it looked really good tonight when they kind of did a demo for us and honestly this might be one of the things i end up being most proud of in this first term which is not was not one of my top priorities coming in here but i think creating efficiencies this will reduce the need for staff time to be occupied hunting down this information it'll give citizens more power to access the information on their own if they want to um i think this thing could be helpful for us and for the public and to your point there could be a lot of ways that businesses will utilize it. Um, it's going to be, it looked very user-friendly. You're basically a technology guy now. I mean, maybe I should be like CIO of the Carolina FinTech Hub now. I think I understand FinTech. I don't know that you understood a single word that just came out of your mouth. I know I know what a CIO is, and I vaguely know what your FinTech Hub is. Okay. It's a hub of FinTech organizations where they all come together and... Hub it out. <laughs> <laughs> That actually is a great T-shirt idea for you. Hub it out instead of hug it out from Entourage. You hub can it, hub out. it out. Dang, dude, that is great. 
fin- Carolina FinTech Hub. Hub Dude, it out. D- did you watch uh, Trademark Larkin Eggleston? It's pretty good. You if are you good at coming up with random uh, slogans. If you- <laughs> yes, I am. Um, um, did you have you? Do you watch? Uh, this is a rhetorical question. I know the answer. Um, did you watch the new season opener last night of Silicon Valley? I don't know what Silicon Valley is. Oh man, dude, it's a great, it's a great kind of tech show. But is it a show with a bunch of characters like you? Yes, in fact, hard pass. Yes, you would love it though. Yeah, you wouldn't love. One it. of you is enough. There are many of our listeners out there who enjoy it. I'll tell you that. Okay. What else did we do? Um, Sarah Hazel came up and talked about a clean energy program that we have applied for, been accepted to, and are now waiting on a, a budget for from Duke Energy. Um, it's a program that could potentially, over the course of 20 years, end up saving us money to be using uh, carbon-free energy and to help advance our uh, strategic energy action plan goals. I just, so that was like, good news. Like Councilman Driggs, I, I need to see some underlying details of like the terms of, of this and where the risk is ultimately if certain things don't pan out. More details for sure, but like at first glance, it looks like a pretty good opportunity. Yeah, maybe. Um, particularly, and and I mean, it's not a, a significant savings to Councilmember Driggs' point over twenty years, but um, but even if you even if we could feel confident that it's revenue neutral, and we're doing something to advance our our strategic energy action goals, our clean energy goals. Um, and it's not costing more money. If Look, we're saving if it, money, if it, if it is cake. revenue neutral, I'm all in. All I'm saying is that a lot of times I've seen stories and and read articles where some of these things get pitched as revenue neutral or even like a gain, and they don't end up at all coming back and and um, kind of counteracting the capital that had to be outlaid to make it work. Agreed. So we'll need some more information on that, but. Um, First glance, good news. So we got lots of good news tonight, making progress on government efficiencies, giving our citizens more control and access to information and and finding the answers they need, Um, working on our environmental goals. On the business agenda meeting, do you want to talk about, and and you are far more um, in the weeds on this than I am because you attend all the Economic Development Committee meetings as the honorary member of the committee and that's more your wheelhouse than mine. There was some, there's a lot Smudging of discussions. Is messed up and he started referring to me as the honorary chair. <laughs> I think it started with the honorary member and he's like, yeah, it's the honorary chair. And I'm, I'm, I, keep, I look at him like, are you, do you, you got do you an, you got an honorary promotion? <laughs> I, did. I did. Um, so do you want to touch on, there were questions tonight about the MWSB programs and our, our goals around some of our contracts and stuff for anybody who might've watched some of the meeting or might, oh. I don't know if that ends up being a story tomorrow in the news what would you, how would you recap that? Well, quickly? So we had a great economic development committee meeting last week where among other things, we dove pretty deep into small business and how we really need to kind of, we have a, a bunch of little kind of siloed activities around small business spread, spread around um, the government spread around the nonprofit sector and other things. And then a bunch of gaps, they all need to be brought together under one kind of roof as it relates to, not shooting a bunch of BB guns around at, at the problems, but rather pointing a bazooka at them and really blowing Here it up. Here comes the analogy. You got, I've already said the analogy. So uh, I think we had a great <laughs> conversation there. I figured that was just there. the beginning. And no, no, that was it. Um, we, had, we had some really great conversations around 
what what that could look like, how it could work. Um, tonight, though, I mean, that, it's like I I didn't really understand. Like, I thought we went on about ten tangents tonight that I couldn't quite f- understand why we were spending thirty or forty minutes on each one of them. I'm not sure if this is. I don't feel like it's the right way to go about it, but I don't know what the right way to go about it is. Sometimes if something, if a council member, and I think we've probably done this to some extent, if a council member sees a individual contract, like one thing on an agenda that they feel like is representative of an ongoing issue, then we get down the rabbit hole of talking about the entire issue, which I guess that might be as appropriate a time as any well, to talk well, about well, it. Well, one, why, why are you, like, who thinks bringing these things up behind the dais is a good idea? Like, don't you follow up? Like, I think I view if you We're bring it up, into negativity, we are. You're right. But if you bring these things up behind the dais, great point. You're our ombudsman. 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 It's not the correct use of that word. No. Okay, no. Ombudsman is looking out for that kind of stuff, right? Are we sticking true to our mission? You okay. don't know what an ombudsman is. I don't think you do. But um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, that's the, that's a probably a better conversation for committee. Um, it, it was, it was, and we don't know that she, that that had been went, brought up before. We went through In fact, contracts I'm sure it has. and, uh, I mean, simply put, uh, we, I asked the manager point blank, are you comfortable that we went through this pro this, this deal, this contract and followed all the right processes and did it the right way? Cause that we heard anecdotal responses from those folks there that said, this provider that you're talking about couldn't do all the things that we needed him to do. Which doesn't mean that we don't need to take a look at the way we're doing sure, things. Sure, but all I'm saying is we're not going to change all that within one month. It, to me, it sounded like the biggest the biggest lapse or whatever you want to say It is just like we need to be better. The city, we the city need to be better at communicating to the people who are bidding on these things in terms of if they didn't get it and if they didn't get it, why? And just much more of an open flow of communication back and forth to help people understand how in the future they might be better positioned to end up with those contracts. It's really hard not to be negative. I'm finding. I've got to be positive. Yes. Committee. Well, but that's funny because you know what else happened? We had three special requests from the community that also garnered a lot of time tonight. Uh, one was well, only one. I'm garnered a lot of time because I, I headed the other two off of the pass and, anticipated what the outcome would be which is that so, we refer it to the yeah. strategy session in two weeks don't tether dogs sounds reasonable to me i don't know well well enough about it but like they say that um tethering dogs is a bad thing and a lot of higher percentages of them attacking or whatever so um i'll look forward to that update and as long as it's reasonable i'm sure that's something i can support but who knows this could be a rabbit hole that has all kinds of other implications to it circuses bad don't want circuses in town don't know. How well, they much... don't. The, the argument is not against circuses per se. It's against circuses that animal have wild circuses. animal acts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, you could have like, you know, the Cirque du Soleil type shows. Did you no, like no the one's circus against... growing up or no? Um, I love. Yeah, it. but I, I will say that I went to one a couple years ago and left halfway through. I mean, I, A, I mean, I don't think I'm as easily amused as I was as a child, but B, I mean, you really do, as you kind of look at those animals, you really do kind of have a sense as an adult that, um, the animals are living pretty miserable lives in, in many cases. So I, I don't like the animal acts. You know, I don't like the idea of people riding around on them I, and, and they're cramped up in, in train cars. 
I do it. And I honestly, the more, more exciting parts of circuses are like the human acrobats and the, you know, I saw a guy drive a motorcycle in one of those like balls of uh, like wheels of steel or whatever. I mean, that's the exciting stuff to dude, me. That's, that dude could die. But that person is making a conscious choice to do that. Maybe, maybe not. <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going <laughs> to say they probably are. You don't know. Um, that. You do not know that. So they could be getting forced in there every night. Dude, did you ever watch that old HBO series carnival? I did not. I uh, never heard of it, but I, you know, so I think where our place there could be, they're saying, and we need to get one of the things that the manager will bring back to us on the strategy. I assume session we issue tonight. permits, right? Is that, well, is that how, how we maybe, have an implication there? And we'll get that information. Apparently some other North Carolina cities have taken some action to this effect, but my sense would be that the, the main thing we could do is say maybe that we're not going to allow an, wild animal acts um, at city owned facilities. Hmm. city operated facilities hmm. and then you know if a private parking lot wanted to rent out for them to put up their big top tent whatever i guess they could do it i i feel like that's where we'd have control i don't know if we could prohibit a shopping center owner from renting out their parking lot um we'll find out in two yeah. weeks we don't have a meeting next monday are there still carnies is that a thing i mean the, that's more like the fairs right like that's not a circus that's more like a carnival and a fair type of deal is it i think that's different yeah it's like the state fair or the formerly known as Dixie Classic Fair in Winston-Salem. Oh, it's like the, the folks that are the, – wow, you threw out an old Winston-Salem uh, tradition, huh? Not that old. They just changed the name last year. So that's like the folks who bring in like the real suspect That's where they're guessing your rides. weight and yeah. They're like, hey, would you like to get on this uh, head chopper offer? <laughs> like, oh, What's it called again? Don't, Don't worry about it. It's uh, fun. Like, why, you why want to you, sit in this hot tub? Why do you paint it red? <laughs> it's not painted. What t- I'm sorry. Hold on a second. Because my wife and I have <laughs> Did been- Did you de- just play catch up on that hot tub comment? Yeah. What's going on with the hot tubs, man? I don't know. There was something at the state fair where people got sick. Yeah. They got Legionnaire's funny. disease. I don't know. I don't even know what that is. But it sounds, it sounds But my wife wicked. was like, Legionnaire's disease. Because I she so she so we had two pieces of information. She said- I heard this because I've been pushing her to go to the state fair. I want to go. Now you're not. She's like, I heard they have Legionnaire's disease. I was like, oh, yeah, I did hear that from the hot tub. She said, what? (laughs) (laughs) But then she had a really valid question. I couldn't answer. Why would there be a hot tub fair? It's not hot tub. Hot tubs. Why are they there? And then we started brainstorming a little more. I guess I could have gone and found the article and read. But we were like, what kind of people... Are going to a state fair and then get in a hot tub. And do you go with that in mind, or is yeah, it just I mean, something you, you bringing, add on when you get there? Are you bringing a bag with like a, a towel sw- and clothes? Like I don't understand. And then what? Kind, I mean, and then how do you get Legionnaire's disease, and how do you get it into the hot tub? So it's so many questions. Uh, um, I need to know more. So we should probably ban hot tubs. No, at any dude, hot tubs are amazing. I mean, not circuses, uh, fairs. No, yeah, but they're- carnies. Carnies can't get in hot tubs. <laughs> I hope nobody calls me later and says that carny is some Why off-limits Why is Tark Bakari's anti-carny? If that is something that's not cool, I don't mean anything by that. The United Carnies of America <laughs> now you're just making endorsed your opponent. So, uh, yeah, you don't know. That could be a thing. United Carnies of America, I stand behind you in your hot tubs. Yes. So long as they like are the tested for legionnaires and other types of communicable diseases. <laughs> Um, so we'll find out. So all of that and the anti-gerrymandering resolution that was proposed to us by a group called, um, I understand there, uh, defend us. No, you represent us, us 
Sorry. It, look, uh, I understand their passion for it. Uh, it seemed a little partisan to me um, in, in the way they approached it. But people on my side of the aisle um, also have problem problems with gerrymandering. So, uh, you know, this can be something that's... Here's the thing to look for. The the resolution, I think the only way we would adopt that resolution, and I've seen it once, but it was a long time God, I hope we wouldn't ever consider this. We need to get away from doing stupid resolutions that only anger people that are powerful uh, that we are looking to partner with on other things. There are valid points to be made along those lines. I would say that the only way that this would be entertained would be if it was written in a way that was completely nonpartisan. I mean, both parties in the history of North Carolina have, have abused this power. So I don't think it has to be inherently partisan. I think it could be a bipartisan thing. And it could potentially acknowledge that both parties have done this over the course of North Carolina history. Either way, all this, this body is, here doesn't have a great track record of creating nonpartisan yeah. proclamations. So either way, all that's coming back on November 12th. There's no meeting next week because it's the night before the election. Um mm. I guess that's why there's not a meeting. And so we'll have our strategy session on the 12th. All those things will come before us then. But we did get down a rabbit hole for 30 minutes getting to that point, which was mostly a debate on like Robert's rules of order and the Charlotte City Council policies and rules about I don't know if how it, stuff gets to. It qualifies as a debate as well, much as it's like words were being thrown around in forms of don't sentences. be negative talk. oh sorry it's so hard it's late <laughs> well, there's, there's no way to discuss that 30 minute conversation without being somewhat negative um there's not much positive spin to it um but there were a lot of debates we should probably all go back through uh city charlotte city council policies and procedures i yelled out objection i've been wanting to do that for a while Plus, and, it, uh, and it was at least as in order as most of the other stuff that was said. Then you asked to treat uh, permission to treat <laughs> permission the mayor to treat hostile. The, permission to treat the witnesses hostile. <laughs> um, so, yeah, maybe when the new three new council members come in, maybe we should all go through how things work again. So, um, before we wrap this up, let's uh, let's uh, take a second to remind everyone: early voting ends on Friday. Uh, and uh, it's pretty much 10 a.m. to 7 p.m. I think until then, and then how Marshall opens at eight each day, but every mm-hmm. other site is 10 to seven. And then um, that just leaves election day a week from Tuesday. That's November 5th, and then all this will be over. We're not going to have an episode before then, so um, I'll either going to be coming back in here uh, gracious from a for a great hard earned victory or super depressed. From a loss, either way, uh, we will be coming back probably next week for a, a post recap, depending on what it is. So, the fate of the podcast rests in the hands of the people. We gotta let the people decide. Because we made the blood oath, we're not doing it if we don't have both of us. So uh, that's it. And and also partly because if you lose, who's gonna? I mean, who's gonna I edit it I all? Every I don't night. think. I don't think Ed Driggs <laughs> knows how to work this soundboard. Yes. Um, I do think Ed Driggs knows that podcasts don't air at a certain time. So that's like step one. Yeah, it's true. But you'd have to teach him how to do the soundboard, how Dude, to do I'd all the editing. You and Ed Driggs in here one-on-one. I can't imagine that he'd want to stay for an hour after the meetings either. Dude, nobody does. <laughs> this whole thing is empty. Okay, but I can't, I can't imagine that he'd be willing to. Dude, Smudgy really scared me with that door rattle. <laughs> um, so the, the, that's that. Then the only other thing I was going to mention is before we transition and throw it back into the past – we're going to go back to the future on this one. Um, nope, that's not how the future works. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, that's a good point. Did they misname that show, that movie? Can you go back to the future? Do you want me to really upset you right now? No. No. You've never seen that? No way. No way. Please. Are you serious? I mean, like bits and pieces. What does that mean? Like you, you, like you were walking through, like through the mall, you're turning, and it you're was turning on? the channel, and you like go past USA. And, and you it's didn't on. stop. Well, you ever? watch it for like five minutes and be like, "Oh, the DeLorean," and then you just. Dude, I can't even with you. <laughs> I literally can't even. I with do you. know that Michael J. Fox was in it, and they had a DeLorean. Yeah, I think everyone knows that. Yep, and there was a professor with crazy Einstein hair. Yeah, Doc Brown, dude. There you go. What? I don't know. I haven't watched it. What can a hoverboard not do? Hover. No, it can hover. No, not the ones they make now. They just roll. It can't go over water unless you have power is the answer. What kind of power? Ooh, you have to watch. Biff will explain it to you. Don't care. (laughs) This is amazing. I feel like if there was ever a podcast created between a resident of Earth and an alien and we had to explain things it would be a lot like this that's great man all right final <laughs> i knew that was gonna blow your mind i i was so I confused sure i was like you're about to tell me something i don't understand about the title i didn't realize you're going that route um so uh before we throw it back to the future where we started a second ago here uh, to the debate between Braxton Winston and Matthew Ridenour on the quarter cent sales tax. Uh, we tried to kind of, as much as we can, stay out as of much that. As you could. As, me, yeah. I didn't have much I can, trouble. Stay out of that and let them really de- uh, lead, lead their debate and discussion. I think they did a really good job. Uh, what are what are any kind of just quick takes um, that you had from that to give people context on what you might have heard there versus other debates or if you haven't heard any debates well i mean i think that the thing i've continually been telling people is that they you know listen to this i think they both make good points on their side of the argument here and and then they at the end both websites are given if you want to get more information i mean people need to study this they need to study the school board these are not things that you're going to just be able to walk in and and know by osmosis i mean these are things that require research there's 13 people in the school board ballot the sales tax has got a lot of moving pieces um, and a lot of things to understand and to weigh in your own mind to decide what's right um i think braxton brought up some points on the four side that i'd not heard that i liked yeah um but i think it but it would have been helpful if i were hearing those more than eight days in advance i mean that's that's my point i i will i'll say matthew always does a real good job but with his points and his side i think he did another good job on on this session i think braxton actually probably put together the most comprehensive arguments that just resonated in some ways that i've heard to date on the four campaign the only thing i'll say about that is He's kind of one dude and not representative of the forces that are actually pushing forward a lot of the things that are ultimately here. So while I like some things that, that he said, I, I walked away from that thinking, oh, that's cool, but that's not what's going to happen. There was also, um, it was shown to me this afternoon. I'm not going to be able to find it very quickly, I don't think. But um, there was shown to me, I think, a post this afternoon from the official campaign facebook page i did find it so earlier this evening there was like a 
passive aggressive post made on the official page for campaign for the tax campaign about Commissioner Cotham, who's been openly against this um, tax. And was yeah, one they of the, came out talking crap. Was dude. one of the four speakers. So there was a WFAE form. I would actually encourage people to go listen to that too, um, where Daryl Williams and Susan Harden spoke in favor of the tax. Pat Cotham and Matthew Reinauer spoke against it. Mike Collins moderated. It was hosted, I think, at McGloan tonight. But what is probably on live tonight will probably be on again maybe tomorrow. So I'd encourage people to listen. That'll be almost an hour discussion. Uh, and Daryl Williams is the one leading the campaign, so he's certainly well-equipped to make the case for it. But, I mean, to me, making a, a passive-aggressive kind of like crap-talking post about Pat Cotham saying that, well, she used to be kind of for it and now she's against it and whatever, like, that just isn't – that's just not the way I would want to advocate sure, for this. Like, I'm not sure I've ever seen a million dollars more poorly spent. I mean, I, I don't know. Like, a week out and you're you're, you know atta- you're attacking an elected official who's against it. It's just a really strange way to go about this. I'd have taken that million dollars and spent it on building a plan for the arts community rather than, than, than throwing it, trying to convince people that there is a plan. But uh, that's me. So... We will uh, we'll see how uh, how that all shakes up. I mean, this is it, old bud. This might be the last time we sit in here all care carefree. I mean, I'll still be carefree, <laughs> but indeed. Well, it's been a a real treat. Should I not uh, should I not live any more beyond this in this meager way? I feel like uh, I feel like you're gonna come out of this on top. It's been a real treat for you. <laughs> I'll tell you. We, you know what we could do if we had to transition into the podcast afterlife? We could do it like monthly. No. Nope. But that would require you to still pay attention to the city council, which I feel like you'd probably not want to do if you if you didn't have to. Look, let's just – I'm going to finish strong. We're going to see what happens. Either way, we'll have more episodes. Um, but, you know, it's in the people's hands now. In the people's the hands. podcast is in the people's hands. All right. Well, without further ado, you got anything else? Nope, we will uh, go to the tax debate, and we appreciate everybody listening, and we will talk to you probably not next, well, definitely not next Monday, but we'll probably do a post-election recap sometime late next week before I head out of town for a little while. Hmm. I'm going to Germany. Oh, that's that old old thing. Yeah, with the American Council in Germany. Not spending tax dollars, I might add. So we'll do an episode before that, and we'll talk about the election results maybe thursday or friday of that week and uh we'll talk to you then but make sure you get out and vote and uh make sure you take a listen to this podcast's second phase arts debate let's throw it to the field to larkin and tark matthew and braxton back in the future all right welcome back to the show we are here to have the arts discussion, the sales tax that will be on your ballot, um, depending on when you're listening, a week or so from now, Tuesday, November 5th. This is probably the biggest thing on the ballot right now. We've got, uh, obviously, the mayor and school board cool, and thanks. city council. Uh, if you live in District 6, you've got an exciting city council race. But <laughs> if you don't live in District 6, there's not much. You definitely have an at-large race. You have an at-large well, race and- where the 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 order will matter, but this the outcomes like there's only one thing on the ballot. I'm like, guys, come on, help me out here. <laughs> All right. So as, as Councilmember Winston, one of our guests has pointed out, uh, it does matter. Uh, the order 
of finish, but I don't think that who will be the top four is in question. It's in what order they will be. We might in. need to circle back to Listen, his it, thoughts it, on this. It before, just uh, it just matters that everybody go out there and vote. You have to vote twice a year in North Carolina every year. This is the second time that you. No vote. one's saying don't vote, Braxton. My point is why is this Larkin is the thing saying, that the, telling people not to vote, <laughs> Councilman. Winston? This is the thing and that what people do you think about that. Are talking every election about is right important. Now. Every election is the most important election uh, that that you can do. This at one that is point the most time. important, though. It is. I mean, your municipal leaders are the ones. <laughs> that um, make decisions that affect your day-to-day life. So I think this you're misinterpreting just, my comments. Just as important. Larkin, your <laughs> We're off opposition track. to voting is very surprising to <laughs> me. Look, if I don't have a race, then there's no need to get no. All right, so one of the things on your ballot, how about that, is the sales tax. Mm. And it has been uh, oft discussed of late. And we have got somebody here. You've already heard from Braxton Winston, our fellow council member, who is going to be speaking on behalf of the sales tax, we're going to have this debate today on the show so that people can make up their minds. There are cases to be made on both sides of this. Lots of people have been out there making them. Uh, we've got two people who can speak intelligently to each side of this. Who's the other the person? The other Martin? is Matthew Ridenauer, who has been one of the, the leading opponents of this tax, former uh, county commissioner and former congressional candidate. He's on here to talk about that. I would like to note, um, in case there's anyone out there who's saying, well, why do you have kind of the leader of the anti-tax group mm. and not have someone who's officially part of the uh, vote yes for the sales tax group. Uh, I would like to note, uh, while we always enjoy having Mr. Winston on, uh, we did invite six people uh, before Mr. Winston. It's not because Braxton's ever our seventh choice, but we wanted to have someone from the official (laughs) campaign for, and um, through a various uh, number of... Spit it out in layman's terms here, man. (laughs) Don't, we, don't sugarcoat with this. one, we had our invitation accepted, and then uh, they changed their mind. With others, we had people who had genuine schedule conflicts, and with others, people told me they were busy before I even told them what so, time we were going to be recording. So clearly, I've been outspoken. I'm not planning on on this episode. This with these two fine gentlemen are here to do, but like it is a little annoying to hear that um, people think that this podcast is. It, we've never set a trap for anyone. And we always try to have a level of respect between guests and things like that. So that's a little strange to hear. Yeah, and these are all people that I respect. And I know some of them genuinely had schedule conflicts. I'm, I'm a bit frustrated and I was a bit offended um, that there was some sort of implication that we were going to ambush a guest that came in here, which we've never done. We've had everybody from Mayor Bloomberg to a member of the Trump family. We've never ambushed anybody. We've never had anybody leave uh, upset or feeling like they were tricked. On the other um, hand, I have ambushed this show and kicked the door down. That's to, true. To, we have reverse we, We've ambushing. been ambushed, but we don't do the <laughs> Well, anyway, ambushing. moving into the stuff. Braxton, why are you for this? This is crazy. No, we're not ambushing like that. See? It's not how we roll. Larkin. So here it is. Let's do, uh, let's do, let's do opening statements. Two-minute opening statements. We'll start with Mr. Winston for why you should vote yes on the sales tax that you're going to see on your ballot. Well, I'm, I'm, I didn't know we would get two minutes, but um, well, as long as you good, want. Good thing Roughly I'm um, in uh, campaign form. You know, m- m- the main uh, reason that I am for this is is because of jobs. Uh, I, there is not uh, a a industry I think in this in this country outside of the military that has such a cross cutting effect on the type of jobs that investment uh, can affect. Uh, you know, when you invest in arts and culture, this is not just benefiting ballet dancers or, or, or musicians in the symphony or actors, which are very important middle class jobs. But this affects carpenters. This affects electricians, truck drivers, event professionals, um, uh, uh, caterers, uh, 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 accountants and, and everything in the middle. Uh, 
I have lived this my whole life, full disclosure. I have worked in the arts and cultural sector ever since I've been a taxpaying adult. I've paid my bills uh, as a stagehand, as a camera operator uh, for the past 15 years. I have seen how public investment in the arts has created an ecosystem that has driven revenue um, in, in what was the tax, in, uh, the tax incentive, the state, uh, the state funded tax incentive uh, that was had North Carolina in general, but Charlotte kind of at the epicenter of that of becoming more of the Hollywood of the, of the South. And because of politics at the state level, we lost uh, that tax incentive and we lost uh, thousands of jobs and millions of dollars of revenue. I think this is an opportunity to be more self-determinant. Uh, we know that as we try to bridge the equity gaps, that we have to uh, prepare the workforces of tomorrow. And this is a way that we can be innovative um, in cultivating that ecosystem that will produce jobs that will um, we will be able to um, uh, uh, try different things as we attack affordable housing and affordable workspaces because you know who needs those things just uh, just as much as anybody else if not more those are people that work in the arts and cultural sectors and uh, like I said my last thing I don't know I probably have went over two minutes that uh, that this is not a, a, a small section of people uh, that this will affect uh, that people that work in the arts and cultural sectors span uh, every district of this city um, and and all types of demographics in this city um, and we'll have a, a, a multiple mul th this investment will provide a multiplying effect on on our ability to to bridge uh, some of those equity gaps Mr. Eidenauer, your response and why well, people should opening, vote no. Uh, yeah, yeah, you're, no. We're not debating yet. It's still oh, opening yeah. remarks. Give give people the, we'll call it three minutes now, pitch on why you think <laughs> they should vote no on this sales tax. I don't know if anybody wants me to go on for three minutes, but I uh, appreciate the opportunity, first off, to be here and share, share uh, some of the reasons why people are opposed to this tax. And there are certainly a lot of really valid reasons to oppose the tax. And, and uh, let me just strike one thing I've heard out there right away and say, uh, folks have said, I've heard, uh, they're just opposed to the arts. The people who are against it just hate the arts. Well, first off, I've performed at Theater Charlotte at CPCC. Uh, my wife and I go to, yes, I did. As a matter of fact, musicals and plays and the whole line. I will not break out the sound, sound uh, song on, on this uh, episode. But, uh, um, but, but, we'll be, uh, we'll be the uh, determiners. <laughs> right. Do you need some, some fade out music? I can probably accommodate. Um, so, so, uh, you we know, won't my wife count and I, this against your time. <laughs> we go to a lot of shows at the Blumenthal's together. We're going to go see Les Miserables this uh, Saturday. Um, so, I, you know, I have seen firsthand the importance of the arts and arts education. And so, there's, so anybody who thinks that folks are opposed to it simply because they don't like the arts, I think that's a uh, it's a very weak argument because a lot of us do support the arts, but we happen to be opposed to this tax. And so then why would we be opposed to a tax that is supporting the arts? Um, because this, for one thing, this, this tax is not supporting just the arts in general. Uh, it's not necessarily just about uh, a, a child having an arts education or access to seeing a show at the Blumenthal. This tax is really generating $22.5 million for the Arts and Science Council. And it is the money going to the Arts and Science Council uh, that that uh, that that folks. It's not just about the arts. It's about going to this private organization. And we can talk about governance structure and all that. I'm sure we will here shortly. Um, but there are other reasons why. There are reasons why people are opposed to it. For one thing, um, we have 
community priorities uh, and not just priorities that the four of us might sit around here and talk about, like, well, what do we think priorities are? But we actually have surveyed responses from people in Mecklenburg County as to what they think the priorities are for our community. Earlier this year, Mecklenburg County sent out a survey uh, to, to residents. Anybody could participate, and they could. And it said, if you had $100 to spend in Mecklenburg County's budget, where would you spend those dollars? And that showed people's priorities. The number one priority was education outside of pre-K. Uh, Pre-K education ranked a little lower. Uh, affordable housing was number two. Infrastructure, transportation, things like that were, the, uh, were, were communicated as the highest priorities for our community. And so when you look at the priorities of affordable housing or transportation, uh, when the city, you guys are considering uh, the Silver Line and what that might look like and funding for that, uh, when we look at affordable housing, something that everybody will say is a, is a, is a challenge here in Mecklenburg County, uh, you'll remember that, remember that earlier this year, a couple, of local, a couple of the banks got together and invested $70 million into affordable housing and got all kinds of great press and, uh, what a, wow, this is great to see their involvement and their investment in something that is such a priority. Well, this tax is expected to generate $50 million per year. If we want to talk about something transformative for affordable housing, uh, the sales tax money going towards affordable housing would certainly be uh, impactful. So when you look at, and we'll talk about many of the other issues and problems that folks uh, have with this tax that I've heard uh, uh, momentarily, but when you look at it, there are just more, uh, there are a lot of issues with this with the, the process of getting to this tax and getting the tax on the ballot. There are issues with the governance structure, and there are issues with uh, how we have prioritized the Arts and Science Council above other community so needs. So let's start, let's start there, because there's obviously a, a key number of major dispute areas, both for and against um, kind of site. Let's start with the, the, the I think the, the two that I hear most in my mind are the governance model, the plan by which it's going to be deployed, and then secondarily, priorities. Is this a greater priority than, let's say, as you've both brought up or you've, you've, you've mentioned other things in uh, upper mobility and affordable housing, transit? So let's start with the governance model. Braxton, if you'd like to start, um, what, how do you feel about what you've seen so far and what is to come? And how do you wrap your mind around supporting based on the governance? Yeah, I, I, well, there are definitely many areas where if I was in control, if I had the ability to, to, to be more hands-on with this process that I would have done differently and I would be doing differently. I think uh, coming up with this governance model uh, is has been one of those. One, I do believe the county commission has come up with a framework at this point in time uh, that that uh, will allow for, for very public-facing um, discussions and decisions to be made uh, for how this money will, will be governed. I don't think they have been communicating what they have already done very well um, uh, to set that up, to give people confidence and start the, the work uh, that is, is going to be needed to come up with an effective uh, uh, governance structure. I really think we at the city set the standard for how we can do this and, and provide some public confidence in, in, in that structure with how we did our housing trust fund. You know, what we did two years ago was to say we we want to get this thing passed, but we realize that the, the public doesn't have a lot of faith in the way we execute on th this type of spending. So what we did is we convened groups uh, of stakeholders from the grassroots or uh, different levels of government and people in the corporate community to, to work this out. And that hasn't been done yet. Um, and, and that should be done. And I think they have set up uh, this board that will govern this uh, really found, uh, you know, with a strong foundation 
in city council members and county commissioners to ensure that this will be um, forward-facing to come up with some of those uh, innovative approaches. Um, it's going to take, uh, I think the public uh, should feel much more confident uh, that, that this money uh, will be uh, able to go through public scrutiny because as it stands right now, it's, it, it, what is funding the arts uh, is, is really determined by how wealthy people execute their estates and, and, and how they target their philanthropic giving. Um, and that is the, the main problem of, 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 of what is lacking um, in, in our city right now. You will always need that private um, investment in the arts, uh, but without the public being able to have a say of what that e ecosystem looks like, it's not going to uh, be done in the in, in, in equitable fashion. It will continue to be inequitable, as has been the status quo around our spending right now. Well, so there are a number of issues that I've got with the, the governance structure. Um, you know, one that Sam Spencer uh, pointed out on uh, Flashpoint the other, uh, the other day, I thought he made a great point that this could really be setting us up as a community for a pay-to-play uh, environment for for investing in the arts because if you if this new governance structure for those who may not be aware basically expands the size of the board of directors for the arts and science council um, more county commissioners are added to the board and have occupy more seats and then more community leaders uh, also you know people can apply uh, to represent the north south east and west uh, on on the newly uh, configured uh, board of directors for the arts and science council and so sam's point the other day was that you're going to be giving this organization 22.5 million dollars and you're going to have a lot of a lot more elected officials serving on the board and ultimately determining where those dollars are going to be going um, and it really kind of opens the door for if you're an arts patron and you want your favorite uh, arts initiative to get funded maybe that opens the door then for patrons to begin donating more money to to county commissioners and, and others in an effort to sway votes of the arts and science council and before anybody thinks oh that's nothing nefarious like that would ever happen in in charlotte or mecklenburg county like absolutely we had a mayor that went to prison not long ago i mean we, we they're, they're the same issues that can face other communities we face right here today and we should be trying to ensure that those things don't happen here rather than opening the door for them to happen number two and this is my a, a personal problem that i've got with the governance structure is that um, what they're basically saying is we're going to reconstitute the board of directors for the arts and science council we will uh we don't know how the funds are going to get spent, and they have admitted that many times over, that they're not sure if the county commissioners will have to approve every single grant that goes out or not. A lot of question marks around there. So what they're essentially saying is, we've got this new entity in town using the old name Arts and Science Council. We've got this new organization, and we're not exactly sure how what outcomes it's gonna produce or how the funds will be spent, but we're coming to you, the taxpayer, for $22.5 million per year to fund this organization. Y'all know what that is? They're asking Mecklenburg County residents to be venture capitalists in the Arts and Science Council. If they are so confident in this model of governance going forward, what they should do is they should organize and restructure and then execute for a few years and then come back to the public and say, this and, works and, and we need your funding. And I think that this is where there's misinformation being spent because um, I, I kind of disagree with your assessment uh, that what you have, is, the job of this board is to come up with this governance model. How is this money going to be spent? How is this going to be compartmentalized? The problem here, I would have, the, the Arts and Science Council as it exists now goes away. 
it goes away. You're keeping basically a name, a brand name, and and that's about it. So it's it's not just county commissioners that are on the hook for this. This is city council members right now. So what well, you when you say it goes away, um, maybe I don't even fully understand. Like the the employees of the Arts and Science Council, Jeep Bryant, the executive director of the Arts and Science Council, like. Those people are, are still Basically, there what you have is the Arts and Science Council is going to be an intermediary to carry out the, the framework that this board comes up with. And which you, they will no longer be doing fundraising. They will no longer be administering programs. That is going to be the that is the work that, that this board is going to have to come up with to figure out how that money gets doled up and how that and, and how do we do it in a, in a more equitable fashion. They will not be existing with the same overhead that that exists right now this is not to to shore up a business model so what you have in in inherently but is a whole the sc will still be there to execute the vision of the board i don't know the, I'm not, like yes yes and and respectfully council member everything you just said really kind of supports my position that it's it's the it's a new organization just using the old name uh that this new board is going to be is going to have oversight for 22.5 million dollars of taxpayer funds opening the door as sam spencer uh, uh, mentioned on Sunday uh, on Flashpoint. So, so I what, I was really say, what I was going to say, you have four council members and four county commissioners. So that are 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 uh, that are accountable to the people. So basically, every year, every year, voters will be able to hold us to account of how this money is getting spent, and we'll be able to say, you know, we like the way this is being done, or we don't like the way that this is being done. And again, you have the ability to to hold people accountable at at the ballot box, as opposed to the, the current status quo, which you don't get to tell people, pri private uh, philanthropic givers and people who ha wealthy people who have estates of how this money is, you want it to get, get spent. You have this ability now. You have this ability to, to, to do that under this, this new structure. And like I said, what we were able to do, once we passed that $50 million um, in the housing trust fund, we did not have the exact framework, and we still have work to do, even as we have passed the framework, to make sure that that money is being spent um, uh, effectively and efficiently, not just for this housing trust fund, but for the future dates. And that's going to be the same, the same idea um, uh, around this new governance structure. But again, I will say, you will have the chance to hold your elected officials to account for this, the way this money is spent every single year at the ballot box. Are you box. confident that will happen? I I am confident that 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 will happen. So here's a question for probably for Braxton first, and then if Matthew has some thoughts on it, weigh in too. I've heard from from pro proponents of this tax. I have heard both sides of this, and and I'm there's no way to know exactly, but it, as an artist yourself, as someone who works in the industry, I'm interested in your perspective. There has been a lot of folks who have said, we've got to pass. So I'll back up a little. Arts and Science Council, um, one of the main ways that they did their fundraising over the years is through workplace giving campaigns, similar to what many people do at work with United Way. Um, workplace giving has dropped off significantly. It dropped off, I guess, around the time of the recession. It never really picked back up to where it was before. Um, so that throws groups like Arts and Science Council and United Way into a bind because they, they're not getting the revenue they used to get from that type of fundraising. United Way, they went and completely changed their model. They had to sell their building. They've had to cut their, their head count there. Um, Arts and Science Council has had to, to tighten the belt there as well. One of the things that a lot of people have said is they think if this doesn't pass, that there are going to be organizations, and I'm, you know, whether it's the ballet, whether it's the symphony, whether it's whoever, uh, that could potentially completely go under and no longer exist to serve this community 
in a way that I think we all agree is very important. Do you believe that? Then Jeep Bryant also, who's now the executive director of the Arts and Science Council, came out in an Observer article recently and said, I think that's being overbilled. I don't think that these the arts community is suddenly going to just you know, dissolve and, and cease to exist in our community, but we do need better funding for these organizations. Yes. Do you think some of these things go away if this doesn't pass? So, um, full disclosure, I do work uh, not just in the, the jobs that I mentioned uh, historically as a stage, and I'm also an employee at the Levine Museum of the New South. Um, and I can tell you uh, from inside baseball that regardless of whether this tax passes or not, that just the, the entire ecosystem around cultural institutions is in crisis, um, where, where museums and and other entities, you know, only competed, for instance, with the movie theater, you got folks that are just not going out because of what's happening. P people can get everything on, on their phones, right? So regardless of this, if, if this tax passes or not, you have institutions that are going to have to figure out how, how to sustain this business model. And let me be clear that from an institution standpoint um, and from an artist standpoint, the intent of this tax and nobody nobody in the artist community or the cultural in institution community wants to see this tax simply um, um, support business models of 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 institutions because that is that is not going to be sufficient so people have to figure out how to change and and, and try to find ways to meet people where they're at because that, that's just the entire ecosystem and that has been honestly one of um, my re my reluctancies of, of joining on the official campaign because I think this shouldn't be about nonprofit organizations this should not be about um, institutions this should center artists and their art and the ability to create an ecosystem because each one of those are, are are small businesses how do we create an environment where people th that kind of brain the brain drain doesn't continue to exist. Um, uh, Commissioner Reinauer mentioned um, other priorities. Look, these priorities, if we're trying to attack, attack things like affordable housing and workforce development, we have to think of significant ways that we can do it. You, it shouldn't be a, either or. It's an and both. Um, one of the examples that I, I put out there is the Manhattan Plaza Project. It's in Midtown Manhattan. Um, it's a publicly, federally subsidized residential complex of of uh, that houses over thirty five hundred tenants. Seventy percent of those tenants are in the performing arts um, profession. Fifteen of them are neighborhood residents, and fifteen uh, next fifteen percent is elderly um, folks. This is is subsidized and creates affordable housing situations for people in the industry, creates affordable workspaces, and again, creates ecosystems that is that are allowing people to move up and create the type of, of, of generate the type of revenues that cities like us need. Do you think that's the, quickly, and then I want to let uh, Matthew respond, do you think that type of thing will come from? Yeah, that is the work. Every When I always tell people, regardless if it's this or city council or whatever, the work doesn't stop at election day. It starts on election day. So we need uh, good people to be on this board, but we also need the public, especially artists and, 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 and folks that depend on the art and cultural sector to have uh, input of how this money can and should be spent uh, that, that allows them to, uh, to thrive in this city because we want people to come here for the opportunity but time and time again you see that people stay in places uh, for the culture of, of those communities i'll just say that's the first time i've heard an idea like that floated in this discussion and i think for a lot of people that kind of idea if they felt like that's where this was headed maybe would move the needle matthew 
Sure. No, the Outreach Science Council currently raises and spends over $16 million per year. Of, that was of, one six. One six. Yeah, 16. $16 okay. million dollars, uh, of public and private, private uh, predominantly private money uh, each year. So if this tax fails, do I think that the arts community is going to, to crater or, 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 uh, or, or fall apart? No, I do not, because Arts and Science Council still raises and spends um, spends money every year supporting programs. Now, last year they did have a uh, an almost $2 million uh, budget shortfall. Um, so, and, and I would say that Mecklenburg County last year increased its spending by uh, by $200 million. So in a situation where the Arts and Science Council is saying... Is that that $200 million was generated by the two-cent raise over revenue neutral property and property tax taxes? Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Revaluation combined with uh, the property uh, property tax increase. And so if the Arts and Science Council has a budget shortfall of $2 million, uh, I would ra- much rather them go and approach the county commission out during budget cycle uh, and, and the city council, for that matter, and try to get additional funding there rather than saying, you know what, let's just completely restructure how we operate and then ask the public on the front end of this new venture to fund us at $22.5 million. The reason we're not hearing any kind of a project like what Councilmember Winston just mentioned is because there is no plan for a project like that in, in, in this. And we can talk all day long that, like, well, once we get the funding, then they're, this new board's going to figure out how to spend the money. But that's 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 fine with its private investment, and you want a venture capitalist to try to figure out, like, well, this is my idea, and this is where we're going to kind of go with it. But not on the backs of the, of the taxpayers of Mecklenburg County. Come to the people with a plan. Say, this is what we need. This is what the arts community needs. And then sell that to the public. Rick, because what's happening right now, and you see it on the commercials, and you hear it when they make their four arguments is, well, Susie got a, a, a flute, and because she got a flute in third grade, she's now such and such. Or, as you mentioned, with the, with stagehands and the work they do and, and different production opportunities and things like that. Well, that's, which is it? Are we, are we, are, is this $22.5 million going to put uh, musical instruments into the hands of every CMS student? Or are we doing some sort of a transformative affordable housing project, which is what you just but, described? But again, with, when you have, a, when you have a, a sales tax... That is year over year. You can do things. You can do all of the above if 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 if, if you have a, a strategy. You develop a strategy that allows it. One thing, I, you know, for instance, I was watching um, something on a documentary on Motown, and, and they, they, they Barry Gordy was talking about what allowed Motown to to thrive in Detroit at that period in time. It wasn't that there were more talented people um, in Detroit than anywhere else. What he attributes to is the public-private partnership around um, uh, uh, school children, public school children and their access to be able to take music lessons in schools. So you had um, you had those musicians that were coming out of public schools, but they were also being exposed because of uh, the Ford Motor Company's uh, commitment to the community to expose uh, uh, public school students to the symphonies, to the ballets and things. A private, uh, a private company, I bet. Yeah, but, but on top of, again, on top of the public investment that made sure that there were music lessons um, and band lessons and choruses and things like that in the school systems. Right now, we are not able to offer those things um, in, in in our county uh, uh, school system, mainly because of state politics. If we are able to be more self-determinant and able to offer our, our, our communities those things to make it more attractive for families to come here and stay, I think that is a, a, is a positive thing. And it allows for, I will factually say that, yes, a sales tax is regressive. It is regressive. But when you spend money, if you're able to, to create the type of revenues and create the type of programs that will and governance that allows for equity, it is it is worth it because those are the tools that we have on uh, before us right so here, right now. Question for you on this, uh, and then I have one for Matthew as well. Um, 
So coming to know you over these last several years, I know that you in a lot of the ideas you've thrown out are, are actually intriguing ones. My problem is the lack of a plan. And again, this is about you guys. Talking I, I, about it. I but, agree. But however, I, I guess my question to you is if the plan is the new structure and governance model, right? And it, and it is by definition infusing more government officials, more elected politicians to hold that uh, to account. I know exactly what you mean when you say that. And I know you, you say that with pure intentions. I'm just asking you, as you look over your own experience over the last two years and how many things that I've seen you personally bring up and be frustrated by because the system or whatever wasn't structured in a way or you didn't get the buy, whatever the reasons are, don't you see that same potential except even more because there's just so many more people on it existing? Like how, how can you be confident that without a plan, the right decisions are going to be made just because more bureaucracy is allowed in there? Again, I don't know if it's more more bureaucracy because what you have right now is a is a is a closed bureaucratic structure that you know is again private money goes into a foundation and they determine how that gets doled out as as it relates to somebody's last will and testament. Uh, we get to actually have a community conversation about where our priorities are and how effective and efficient uh, those dollars um, are getting spent. When it comes to governance, when it comes to building cities, when it comes to building communities, I mean, even down to to uh, we're all well, well, three of us are parents in here, right? That you know, you can have plans, you know, for how how your families are built, but it's it, it's it's about it's a, it's it's always a bit of flying the plane and building it at the same time. You you wish you had more opportunities. Um, for instance, around our housing trust fund, I think we've been doing a lot of good work there, but I think we have a lot of a far way to go to make sure that our processes are more efficient and more effective in, in, in closing um, those gaps and, and making sure that um, housing is more affordable. Are we better off uh, than we were uh, two years ago? I think so, I think so. And I, it is difficult still at this point in time to, de to determine how much better we are off and we can and i continue to push us to, to 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 think like that but to have the opportunity to have the tools to be able to do the work is most important in, in this and if we don't have this um, um if we miss this opportunity next week i don't know the next time that we'll be able to have the type of transform potentially transformative effect on our young people on our workforce um and 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 uh overall what it means to be able to raise a family in Charlotte than, than we have right now in front of us. I would just like to say that neither Salem the Poodle nor I appreciate you implying that I'm not a father. <laughs> <laughs> but at the same time, would there be anything wrong with pumping the brakes and saying, we're going to put this plan together, we're going we're to restructure the Arts and Science Council, we're going to add these commissioners, city council members, community leaders to the board, and we're going to continue to allow the ASC to, to fundraise and take the, the money from the county and the city that they currently are receiving each year, and, and we're going to execute that from now until even next year and then if, it, if it's if it's a provable model and it's and it's doing good work then come to the taxpayers and say we want a referendum in November 2020 when by the way it's a presidential election year so we're gonna have a bar a, a far higher turnout how do you how do you how do you do that maintaining the status quo how can you create that that that, that, that doesn't it's a dollar no, it's a, no you can still restructure the, the board of the, of the Arts and Science Council and restructure the the money well, you're not, you no, can't all we're tell talking private about, people of how to spend their money for a year if they're giving to the arts and science what do you mean 
the Arts and Science Council is is, is divvying out their money to fund various programs around they, the they community. They are taking currently. private money. They're taking private money, and people put strings on that money. People mm-hmm. say, "I want to give." They're taking five or six million of public money in that too. But a majority of it is 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 private third. money. It's a third. Mm-hmm. That's a third. That's the. I think is the point he's trying to make is how how is it that, and this is what I was going to ask you in my follow up. Why is it we're just hearing about all this? There was just well, a two cent get... property tax raise. If this has been such an emergency and it's been said by Commissioner Harden on the Flashpoint episode on Sunday, the folks have been working on this and looking at it since 2013. Why literally has it not come up in a single budget conversation if this is truly As, warranting that's not, a that's, that's That is not true. Over the past two budget cycles that we have had, every time we have discussed the arts and science, uh, the, the arts and science line, that we have, we have, there has been said that there are, there are a, a serious changes that are going to need, have to be made, um, and that need to be made. Okay, so um, and, and we have had those conversations, and I can tell you, as, as Mr. Eggleston has mentioned, and Mr. Eggleston has mentioned, that that this is well known in the numbers, that because of the recession, like you said, workplace giving has severely declined, yep. and it isn't coming back. Right, so fair so this ecosystem it, so has, has been, been here. Let's say it has been talked about, but not in the not in the premise of the quarter cent sales tax. But more importantly, I guess the crux of what I'm asking is, why hasn't anyone started moving on a plan? If things are so dire, forget about that. Like, why haven't they started, let alone crafting a plan, right? But also going a little further, like actually making changes to the board. I completely agree with that. They, they haven't put it, they, they only put the governance structure, the Board of County Commissioners only put one together and passed that resolution, uh, uh, what, about six weeks ago or so. And, and it was, we, we all, let's just, let's just, let's just, Let's just be real here. We all know that it was it was in response to that board of uh, that that op-ed piece by the editorial board of the Charlotte Observer that said one of the main problems that they had with it was that there was no plan, no governance structure together. That, that so is they, not, they, you know they, that is not true. That is, that is not true. That has been the, the number one the number one um, um, question, the number one priority put out there since this has been put out. This is yeah, why people like board. myself, <laughs> no, like people like myself, were not able to get behind the the, the campaign at first because. Because I felt like you're right. They were not having those conversations. I've been saying from day one, but the, you need the, to go through a process. So there's a just great like, point right there. Listen, and, and I, I, I believe. I, and, the, exactly and the county commissioners saying. have been have been did working they with that. I've been on it to meetings. Because you and others in the community asked them, or did they move on it because coincidentally it happened from the observer now no, giving them they, an indication they, have been, they, have, they have been they have like they have been doing this work f- for a while. For a while, they presented the three options a, a couple months ago. I was at the meeting when when that happened. Uh, so I mean, everything happens in time. I it think does. that I think that if people hadn't hadn't given them a hard time about not having a some sort of a framework or plan in place, I think that we would be sitting out here a week from the election, still wondering what what the board would look like. Yeah, with even less information. I think that we're, yes, maybe that, so maybe we're both right. Maybe they're just responding to you and others in the community yeah. asking the question. That might be. But the point is, is that I think it's directly in response to, oh, we need to get this together and have well, some sort of a plan. I, but they still don't even have a plan for going forward. Well, I think that uh, this is a perfect example. Even if what you said is, is tr- if what you said is true, the ability for the, the people that are governing this money to be responsive to public outcry is, is, that is the proof is in the pudding of what you just said. And the ability to have checks and balances on this money year after year to be able to check in and say, this is working. We want to keep going. This isn't working. We need you to do something different. That's the type of pressure you will be able to apply to this money 
day in and day out, which you cannot do right now. I think you have far more confidence in this governance structure than, and, and, and the body politic than I ever would, that, that, that the people are going to just hold commissioners and city council members uh, accountable every year at the ballot box wow. over this. When you look at the power of incumbency, when you look at how many programs, everyone knows once you get something in the budget, it's really hard to get it out of the budget. I don't think that a lot of voters, frankly, are going to say, hmm, how did the Arts and Science Council spend that money last All right, year? So listen, I'm going to vote against so-and-so. Let's, well, I, let's I mean, you, will, I have, you will get some, I have, sure, but I, I don't think my experience over the past few years, I have, I have extreme confidence in, in the constituency of, of Charlotte and Mecklenburg County uh, that where people um, uh, uh, people's priorities are at and when and, and people want to hold us accountable they can and they will they have time after the time uh, i think that's why all of us are sitting in at, here today and we've all been part of of those waves not for um, me to jump into it again this is about you guys but i'll just say if this is the same group of people we're trying to make explain that there's a quarter cent sales tax on the ballot and it's even a thing i have i'm skeptical that they are going to be the optimal control in in the way you describe certain things, I will tell you this, in fairness to you, you have explained the other side of this better than I have ever sat across from anyone. Well, I work couple in it. Months. I live in it. Because you, 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 you have politicians it. that, you, that you this shouldn't be a political issue. In a way, and you focused on the things that are important. I think my problem still is you've just explained the, the conceptual perfect world of all these things falling together in place. And I see this lack of a plan, more bureaucracy and politicians and moral hazard. And I'm thinking, man, the best control is constituents are paying close enough attention that they're going to hold us to the fire when those four and these four people come in and start kind of maneuvering money around. I am skeptical. Maybe All I'm right. wrong. Speaking of a plan, we've got to have a plan to put a bow on this section of the uh, podcast. How do we do that? Lord? So here's what we're going to do. And we're actually going to have to hold you to the two minutes this time because we're running out of time. But each of you make your closing pitch. And if you've got a website, uh, either or both, that can people can go to if they want more information on why they should vote yes or why they should vote no, uh, plug that. But make your, your last appeal to voters here. And then let's uh, let's call episode great, 80 a wrap. And great debate, guys, by the way. I thought and thank you for both coming on. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, like I said, I think there are valid cases to be made on both sides of this argument. And I think I've had a lot of people coming to me and saying they don't feel like they understand why they should vote one way or the other. So that was the goal of this episode. And I think y'all have given yeah. people a lot to chew on. So Braxton, so. you started us off. Matthew, why don't you take the lead right. on the close? Well, thanks again. So uh, the website, yeah, absolutely is uh, nosalestaxhike.com. Uh, if you want to reach out for information, you can also email us at nosalestax uh, at gmail, uh, no sales tax hike at gmail.com. Uh, but you know, I would just encourage folks to just look at this and consider that this is not the time nor the right opportunity, nor the right priorities. Uh, if this is the right structure, the right governance model, pump the brakes, give it a year, let this new board operate and then see what, uh, see if it makes the case next year for a referendum. Otherwise we've got priorities like affordable housing. We've got priorities like transportation. We've got, uh, and then we're here. We are proposing a regressive sales tax that by definition hurts the the poor and the working families the most, uh, and we're putting this on their backs to to carry uh, the Arts and Science Council forward uh, into the future. And I just think that it's the wrong time, the wrong priority. Uh, and so I would encourage everyone to vote no. No sales tax hike dot com. Thank you.
So I grew up in New York City public schools in a family of public school educators. My education was enriched by my school and my family's dedication to expose me to the rich arts and cultural resources that my city could provide me. It pushed me to think wider and deeper about not just my studies, but the world I was living in. This is why I am in support of voting for a dedicated public revenue stream for the arts, parks, and education in Mecklenburg County. The primary reason I am in support of this public revenue stream for the arts is jobs. The fact is we know how valuable public investment of the arts is. Since 2014, North Carolina has helped turn Atlanta into the movie-making capital of America when the North Carolina legislator eliminated a large portion of our film tax incentive. This move sent thousands of jobs and millions of dollars of economic impact directly to Georgia. This new revenue stream will allow us to create a larger ecosystem that doesn't stop at film but cultivates the diverse talent pool that our growing region continues to attract. An economic impact study revealed that the arts and, and cultural sector of the Charlotte region created over $350 million in yearly economic activity and supports over 11,000 full-time jobs in 2017, despite a meager public investment in the arts. I know the value of the arts. I have worked in the sector since 2004, and, and workers span uh, middle-class um, income uh, job ranges. Strong public investment into the arts and culture will provide an exponential return on investment to Mecklenburg County's taxpayers like few other investments can. I invite you all to come uh, to Enderly Coffee on uh, Wednesday, October 30th um, at 630 to hear directly from some um, artists and, and, and folks that work in the cultural sector, uh, specifically um, artists of, of that are, are black and brown. Um, who have been left out of, of the giving that past Arts and Science Council um, has provided. And they will explain why they are in support of it as well. And plug the website. Is there a website people can go to for more information? Um, while, you're, while you're pulling that up. DarkScottBacard.com <laughs> For some reason, unless I nodded off and one of y'all mentioned it, uh, I will mention before we close that we do encourage people to do their own research, make up their own mind on this. Um, we talked, I think, exclusively about arts there is a portion of this sales tax that would go to parks. There is a portion of the sales tax that would go to uh, education, I think specifically teacher supplements. So this is a complicated issue, and we do want people to do their own research and, and decide whether this is what they think is best for our community. Braxton, you got the website? Yeah, you could just email me at info at votebraxton.com or go to votebraxton.com and find and, That's and ask me more information. That's bizarre that that would be the that, website for the, the, for the vote. Yes. They chose I actually that. think that it's for a betterMecklenburg.com. Well, you, you, you can ask, you can ask <laughs> me. It's like, <laughs> it's like, and if you, if, you like, if you like it or if you don't like it, you can donate at Braxton. <laughs> right, Votebraxton.com slash contribute. You can do that too. Obviously, the only recommendation I'd leave all of our listeners with is uh, you don't go into the poll thinking there's going to be some information on the ballot that's yep. going to help you understand this. That's state law, baby. You, that's you, state uh, law. You that have has... to do your homework beforehand to come to your position. Early voting, open. Through That'd be helpful Friday. on all the things on the ballot. Well, well and, and <laughs> I, I, honestly, I don't care if you this. vote for. I do care if you vote for against in general, but like I, I do mean it. Just get out there and vote. Uh, bring your friends, bring your family. Bring um, your get, enemies. Get, yeah, bring your enemies. Mm -hmm. um, get educated. We need more than 10% of the electorate to show up. November uh, 5th, folks, is Election Day. Early voting open through Friday, and then it's nothing else until Election Day the next Tuesday, November 5th. Um, so and we do not have a council meeting on Monday of next week, so we will be off with the pot. We maybe will do an election recap later in the week, but we will not have an episode coming out next Monday night. So this is the last you'll hear from us before you hopefully get out and rock the vote. Uh, make it count.
Vote yep. or die. Vote or die. Cool. Come come to VBGB after. Okay. On election night, Braxton apparently is having a party at VBGB, and they have a delicious soft pretzel. I'm having a party at Selwyn. Pub. And they actually also have a delicious soft pretzel. I might hit both and get a pretzel at each, because I'm fat. Well, that's <laughs> that's episode 80, folks, in the books. We appreciate our guests for joining us. Like, share. Do your part. Rate. Whatever else. Vote for. Vote against. Bye. Bye.